in a shop window, tottering along like an ancient sexton, fleshy, freely sweating, or worse still, finds a knot of young recruits studying him from a half-respectful distance. He shuts his eyes, but he can always hear someone whispering his name, and someone whispering back, Him? It takes work, he wants to tell them, to look like this. He is fifty-three. Father was roughly the same age when he took a bullet to the chest, scorned the doctors and strode straight to the lectern of Milwaukee Auditorium, flung open his coat to reveal the blood blossoming across his white vest. It takes more than that to kill a bull moose, he cried. The doctors never did get the bullet out. He carried it, nestled against his ribcage, for the rest of his mortal coil. Well, that's how he was, snubbed death at every turn, wouldn't give it the time of day. Kermit, being more hospitable, makes a point of greeting it each morning in the wash-stand mirror, noting how much thinner the arms have grown since yesterday and, by contrast, how much more pronounced the bloat of his face and belly. Inch by inch the finish line approaches, and all he can think of is... Get on with it. No, that's not quite true. Sometimes he thinks, I have never looked more like father. Anchorage should have been just the tonic for him. Wilderness on every side. Black and brown bear, moose, doll sheep. Salmon and trout and grayling practically climbing up your fishing line. Unholy numbers of stars. Father would have loved the place at least until evening when Anchorage casts off its virgin's weeds and the soldiers swarm into the bars and canteens and USO clubs seeking liquor and women, both of which come easily but never cheaply. Even tonight, 9 p.m. on a Thursday, the town is bursting at every seam. Fights are breaking out, only half in earnest, and privates are howling to a moon that is still hours away from appearing. The air is thick with beer and vomit and rotting sheepskin. No, the colonel would not have approved of Anchorage at night. But for someone with no stake in things, the town has its uses. Not a soul stops him as he traces his usual path past the Anchorage Hotel and the Arctic Commercial Store. He follows the ruts in the streets, stepping over discarded gas masks and bomber boots and coming at last to an old passenger car, formerly affiliated with the Alaska Railroad and now refitted as Nellie's Diner, his second home. Leaning his bulk against the door, he catches the familiar sting of grease smoke billowing from the kitchen stoves, the scents of bourbon and beef juice. His eyes, ranging through the half-light, pick out an empty stool at the end of the counter. Then he hears a voice calling after him. Major! In the newly built dining room, a man rises from one of the booths. Jug ears and a sun-fissured face and a non-regulation muskrat coat. Major Marvin Marston. Come join me, says Marston. Kermit is conscious now of his own panting. He takes a dodgy step forward pauses, then finishes the rest of the distance at his own pace. Nice surprise, he says, easing himself onto the leather banquette, running into you here. No surprise at all, 
says Marston with his grim smile. I was hoping to find you. Well, I am found. If you like, you can make the rounds with me tonight. I am supposed to enforce the blackout. It would be my pleasure. A blur of movement at their flanks. Nellie herself, moon-faced, barely as tall as the table. Hiya, boys. Let me guess. Dry musket for Major Roosevelt. Shot of Johnny Walker swing for the other major. Make it a double, says Marston. Special tonight is calf's liver and bacon. Kermit's stomach performs a slow revolution. Just the cold ham sandwich, Nellie. Toast is five cents extra. So be it. Sirloin, says Marston. As Nellie strides back to the counter, he calls after her, Keep it bloody, huh? With a dreamlike slowness, he folds and refolds the napkin in his lap. Say now, he says.